think the thing that I uh, enjoy about um, preaching and getting to talk about what God's done in the Word and in the the person of Jesus is sometimes being overwhelmed by that truth when you get back in and, and you read it again and, and are reminded of things that you know, but at times we forget. Um, I don't know how many of you spend your year thinking about Christ and the birth and and the the angel that visits Mary and just how that whole scenario went, but I don't. Um, I get busy with other things, right, <clears throat> with the rest of life. So uh, this has been a great opportunity for me. And thanks for letting me have your kids up here. Um, you guys need to know that's probably the highlight for me of every service is hanging out with young ones and getting to walk through that story. That's just a, a joy. And one of the reasons it is is because I remember being that kid and sitting on the stage with one of my, one of my favorite pastors, and he was an old guy like me, and, uh, and I loved it. It was one of the greatest things that I still remember about church is sitting with him and having him take a little bit of time with, with us, and, and it just made me feel really important. So thanks for letting him come up and be part of that. It, it really is a joy for me. We're going to look in the, uh, in the Bible tonight at just two passages, uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We're going to go back and look at the story uh, where Mary is interacting with the angel Gabriel. Can you guys imagine that for just a minute? Just, just, just take a moment and, and imagine that you're preparing your Christmas meal and, and your, your soon-to-be husband's hanging out with you and you guys are, are prepared for, well, it wasn't Christmas then, was it? It was just, a, it was just an evening. And an angel shows up and, and says, hey, we need to talk. Can you guys imagine what that would be like for just a minute? No, because we haven't actually had it happen probably. You haven't met Gabriel yet. And it seems like every time we see an angel show up in the text, uh, the people are kind of panic. Ah! Right? Yes, that's what happens. Um, <laughs> I should probably warn you, if you haven't sat with me in one of these processes, at least a verbal or a head nod, although I do tell my boys every time that they nod at me when I ask them a question, I can't hear your head rattle, so some kind of, oh yeah, or something would be helpful, but it would blow our minds if that happened. We, we would probably have the same response. And as you look throughout all of the Old Testament, when an angel of the Lord appeared, typically the people would fall on their face before him to the ground because they knew they were in the presence of something supernatural. They recognized the difference. It wasn't just another conversation that they were having. And Mary finds her, herself in this place on this particular evening in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And follow along with me, if you would. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. 
I think that Mary's response is pretty honest. She was troubled by the saying, and I, I find it I find it encouraging to me that as she wrestled with this and having a real-life moment, the angel assures her and said, don't be afraid. You found favor with God. Now, if you and I have read the story, right, we can, we can look at the story and we go ahead to the end of the story, and I, I would probably challenge God's view of favor, right? Thank you. Yes, because if you read the story and, and you look at the end of Jesus' life and the process that they go through, there's a lot of tragedy. But in the beauty of this moment, becoming from the, the, the herald Gabriel, we have a super, supernatural moment that's being intersecting with the, the human world, and it's going to create for them a great victory in time. So yes, she was greatly troubled, but she also experience the promise of a coming son, right? And I, I love this because it's not just any son. Who is, he, who is she promised? Uh, she is promised that the child will be a king. When you see in verse 32, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom Of his kingdom, there will be no end. The child will be a king, and he'll sit on the throne of David. Now, you have to understand that for the people of Israel, this was, an awaiting, this was a promise that they were waiting for, right? This was a promise that Israel was looking forward to. Someday, they would have their kingdom restored. And so here comes this child, this promised king. Now, the interesting part is, right, it's coming through the line of David, but it's a virgin who's really not of any prominence at this particular time in the kingdom. They're, they don't seem to have any royal banners flying around. They're not being heralded in by any, any royalty or, or any kind of special treatment. But that's the promise. And there's a particular element of that promise that is going to take us to an Old Testament proffer, uh, prophecy, and that is that he'll reign over the house of Jacob forever. And, and we know that if, if you look in the Old Testament, you'll actually see that there's several different prophecies about this coming king. And we're only going to look at one tonight, and that is Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. Because Gabriel proclaims the prophesied king is coming. He gives testament to that. If you turn in your Bibles, or I think it might be on the screen, and follow along with me with just two verses, Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, I have the privilege of knowing some young uh, scholars around he Hebrew language, and so because of that, I'm challenged all the time, and, and, and they, they help me when I'm, when I'm teaching this kind of stuff. I go to them like, what does this mean? Because I know that in Hebrew, sometimes they tell a bigger story than just the words that we have here. English is a little limited sometimes in describing things, and so I, I think God knew what he was doing when he wrote it in the different languages. So I want to take just a second and look at the four names of this coming king, his, these titles, the things that he will be called. One of the things that we need to know about Hebrew 
is that when you see the titles given like this, when there's four uh, things in, in given in, in this kind of uh, fashion, it typically means it's given us the whole picture. Kind of like the, the phrase, four corners of the earth. Have any, anybody been to a corner of the earth? So what is, he mean, what is he talking about? The whole thing. This is the big picture. Look at what he says. First, he says, wonderful counselor. Now, the picture that we have here in Hebrew is it's, a, it's the idea of supernatural wisdom. Are you guys good with that? God being the source of, of you know, not humanly wisdom, but beyond that supernatural wisdom. You good with that? Okay. So, just a curious question. How often do you go to him for help? Hmm. Something to think about. The second one is mighty God. The great, all-powerful, all-knowing, all all-powerful God. It's, it's the picture of strength, the source of strength, the, the, the ultimate strength, the almighty God. And everlasting, this is the one that kind of grabbed me. I, 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 I kind of had the first two, but this one I thought was pretty amazing. Everlasting Father. I grew up thinking that means that he's eternal, and he's dead, Father, right? Well, it's interesting... The idea behind this, it would probably read better if we switched them around and said uh, the, the father of everlasting or the source of eternity, that which provides the source of eternity. That's Jesus. This is who we're talking about, the son that Mary was just told is coming. And the fourth one is probably my favorite of all, the prince of peace. What do you think of when you think of a prince? What does the prince have? When he goes out and he's, he's running around the kingdom, what's the prince have? The authority of the king, absolutely. And so the prince goes out and he brings with authority that which with what the king has established. And in this, the word's actually shalom, uh, which I don't know how many of you are, are, read your, your Hebrew and, and get to shalom and understand it. I'm learning about it because it's quite a big word, uh, but it, the idea is peace, but it's bigger than that because this idea of peace is with shalom is that it sets everything as it should be. It puts everything right, and that includes the idea of sanctification, the idea of justification, redemption, and restoration. So imagine that we have this king, a supernatural counselor, the all-powerful God, the father or the source of eternity, and the, off, the authority to bring shalom, perfect peace, and to set all things right as they were, as they were originally designed. Would that be good news? Isn't it interesting that we have the text, we have the information about this coming Messiah, this coming child. And it's, if we believe this, if, if this is true and, and we accept this is truth, then it's the greatest news that not only Israel could hear, but all the earth could receive. That's the Jesus that we celebrate. That's the birth. That's the story of Mary that we celebrate this particular season. Why do we give gifts? Is it just to keep the kids quiet? 
No, because that doesn't work, right? You haven't gotten a good enough one yet to keep them quiet. Although, candy J's work well for a little while. But we give gifts because we, it's part of what we do to exercise the idea of being givers of good things, being, being selfless and giving to other people. And, and it's modeled after what Jesus, God the Father did through Jesus at this point in time. And I know we, we've got articles about when he was actually born. We're not, we're not saying that, you know, it's December 25th. But we celebrate his birth on this holiday season, this coming king, this prophesied son. It's, it, what, the other thing I love about this is that Isaiah wrote this, this particular prophecy somewhere between six and 700 years before Jesus shows up on the scene. Um, it's pretty amazing to have that much time in the text and to have him show up and do this. So the question for you and for me as we celebrate this week, as we celebrate tomorrow, the birth of Jesus, do we believe it? And has it changed how we live? Does it change how we care for one another? Does it change how we interact with the world? I think it should. I believe it should. And that's honestly the reason that we light candles tonight and we're going to do our candle, this candlelit service is so that we want to represent the light of the gospel in our community, in our homes, and we light the candles in representation of that. And so as you watch your candle burn, as you sing this song, I want you to imagine, if you would, that, that you are standing there with Jesus' disciples when he's telling them to take the good news, and, and you don't light a candle and put it under a jar, but you have it out where everyone can see it. If you and I are children of the King, if we are disciples and, uh, disciples and followers of Christ, then we're responsible to share the light with everyone else.